welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. This is the the last message in our series, Route 66, a road trip through the Bible. And we have stopped at different places and destinations and characters and people. And last week, it was, we began, the final part was on the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And today, I want to talk with you about two things from the book of Acts what God had to say about the church to encourage our hearts, but also to challenge us to step up. Because how many know if you're going to go up, you have to step up? How many know that? That's the next level. We have to, we have to step up to go up. And I believe that God, grace is entering a new season. Uh, it's built upon the past, but God is, certainly has more for us, and I thank God for it. And so the church is... Um, is not the destination, but it's just the beginning. Yesterday, we had the privilege, I had the privilege of uh, renewing and overseeing the renewal of the vows of Kevin and Lynn Hill, who have been members here at the church, and, and they have been together 35 years, but they've been married for 30 years, and five or 10 years into their wedding, that, uh, after their wedding, that that their marriage was going to hell in a handbasket. That's all I could say. But their marvelous testimony of God's grace and when they surrendered to the Lord and probably as is important, surrendering to the Lord is surrendering to each other. How many know that's important in marriage? Um, and they stood before us and had communion and they did the vows from the book, but then they read the vows that they had created for each other. And it really... It was a wonderful testimony of the grace of God. But marriage and church, they're both not the destination. They are only the beginning. And so many times we come to church, to the household of faith, to the body of Jesus Christ, the church, and our expectations of the church are unmet. Sometimes in marriage, they're... Uh, when, you know, I, I made, the, made the remark yesterday that after uh, Lynn came down the aisle, uh, it, one of the things I really enjoyed about this is I didn't have to sign a marriage certificate. I always enjoy signing that, but then the afterthought is, I hope this couple's going to make it. I don't have to hope 30 years, and we pray to the Lord that there's another 30 or 50 years that they have. But so oftentimes, in relationships, there's unmet expectations, and the relationships begins to dissolve or devolve into disappointment, unfulfillment, and sometimes, tragically, even divorce. I've never married a couple yet, to this date, after 40-some years in ministry, when the bride and the groom, when the bride walks down that aisle to meet her groom who's standing here, that there aren't, his eyes aren't shining with expectation, and she is just beaming, 
and they're thinking about their life together and no one that I've ever married comes down the aisle saying, well, I know this is going to be a bust from the beginning. Everyone has hopes, dreams. Sometimes there's toxic marriage partners and there's selfishness and there's non-commitment. But in reality, one of the biggest causes of marital discord is unmet expectations. I found that couples conflict over one of three major expectations, money, kids, and sex. And sometimes they don't conflict over one, sometimes they're conflicting over all three and it's all the time. And sometimes it all gets jumbled up and unless that's addressed, tragedy is just around the bend. But have you ever thought about God's expectations for the church and for you? Francis Chan recently wrote a book called Open Letters to the Church or Letters to the Church. And by the way, so many of the young people at Grace who are in ministry now have said to me, Pastor Paul, have you read Francis Chan's book, Letters to the Church? And what Letters to the Church is, is becoming the church that God has intended for us to be. Francis Chan was the pastor of a mega church, over 16,000 members in Simi Valley, California, had a far reach. But he said after a while he felt like he was a squirrel in a cage. You know those, you've seen that, the squirrel going. And we could never keep up, never keep up. And they came to a place where so much of their staff and so many things that they talked about was what's the next strategy and what will work better than what we're doing now so that we can attract more people and hold more people. And he came to a point of exhaustion and he said there has to be more than this. God certainly has intended more than this for us. Ultimately, he resigned and under with the blessing of the leadership and the church went on and he continues on in ministry. One of the things he does now is lead church, church pastors and leaders in, in retreats and getting together. And he, this is one of the things, because so many, so many men and women in the ministry are just, they're burnt out. And so he brings them together and he asks them to make two lists. And the first list is this, as he surveys them, lists the things that people expect from the church. And typically it goes this way. A really good service. How many vote for that? Yes. I don't like boring services. Do you? No. Uh, how about, I like when we come expecting God to show up. Anyone vote for that? Yeah, nothing wrong with that. But strong age-specific ministries and children and youth ministries that are good Great worship, as long as it has my style of volume and length of singing and picks the songs that I like. A well-communicated sermon and conveniences like ample parking. They want the facilities clean. They want toilet paper in the bathrooms. Can someone say amen? All right. They want cold air and hot heat and coffee and childcare, etc., so they make a list, and then he asks them to make a list of what God expects of his church and what God not only expects, but what his commandments are towards us. And 
Love one another as I have loved you and love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Visit the orphans and the widows in their distress and their affliction. The Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Be continually filled with the Spirit and bear one another's burdens. And then he asked this question, look at the two lists that you have side by side, and he asked the leaders, what would upset the people in your church more? If the church didn't provide their expectations from list number one, or if the church didn't obey God's expectations in list number two? Well, I believe we can have both. How about you? I believe we can have both. And so uh, the old Dutchman said when it came to marriage, he said, kiss and don't last, cook and do. And I thought, you know, well, that's wonderful, but I think we can have both. And I'm ob obviously, it, the cooking has worked on me, and uh, my wife and I still, well, I'm we have 45 years of marriage, and I'm still excited by her. That's all I could say. And uh, uh, you know what I'm saying. It, it's, okay, I'm moving on from there. You can, all right. But often we have disappointments in church because of these unmet or unreal expectations. And, and we leave, or we wish we could leave, and sometimes we need to leave. How many understand that? Listen, I'm going to say something that's pretty radical. I think there are some churches that are so mean and so toxic that if they don't change, that God wants to shut the doors. When we pastor in western Pennsylvania out and, it was in, and out in the country away from us, there was a church and it was filled with, I mean, just mean, hateful people. They were in existence for 24 years and they had 23 preachers in 24 years. They'd rather fight than switch. And uh, anyway... So, but God is so much more. He intends His church to be filled with praise, with power, with glory, with joy, advancing His kingdom, serving the unstoppable God. And on this gospel bus, if I get on the bus, I want it to go somewhere. How about you? I just don't want to get on the bus and smell the smells that are around us. I want to get somewhere and on this bus that the Lord is driving us and moving us forward. Pastor Chris Hodges that pastors the Highlands Church. He is a, it's a spirit-filled church. He's a spirit-filled, wonderful church leader, very articulate. I've heard him in person. They have 37,000 attendees on a weekend. That's about 1,000 more, 100 times more rather than what that we have here at Grace. And he made this statement, there are 194 countries in the world and Christianity is growing in 174 countries. Can someone say praise God? And it's outpacing the birth rate. But sadly, there are 20 countries and nations in the world where Christianity is declining and not even keeping up with the birth rate. And one of those countries is the United States of America. We were at one time the center of Christianity in the world. I believe it's not that God wants to make us the center of Christianity because that does great disrespect to, to all everyone made in the image of God that are taking the, the, the horns of the kingdom of God and moving forward. But I believe that God wants His church to be revived and to step up. That God never intended the church in America to decline and our birth rate is declining and we're not even keeping up with that. 
And so, this morning as we look at God's Word, that uh, I believe that as we're entering this new season, that it is a season that God's calling us to, to be a bright and shining light globally. That means globally and locally, more than ever before. People equipped and empowered to serve and to shine. Families strengthened. I'm already dreaming and thinking, who's going to walk through the doors of the church? I like to encourage pastors, and part of my role as a presbyter is to meet with men and women and to pray and to encourage them. And so many are just, I mean, they're fighting an uphill battle. And some, there's some situations that I, it just takes my breath away. But we pray for God's grace and strength. But one of the things that encourages me, and I encourage them, look, you never know who is going to walk through that door on a Sunday morning. You never know who's going to bring the blessings of God into your church on that Sunday morning. And the truth of the matter is, when grace started, we started with nothing except nine people in my living room. My wife, myself, my four kids, my brother, his wife, and my niece, Katie. There were just nine of us, and you all have walked since, through the door since then. Praise God. Thank you very much. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I wake up on Sunday mornings, it's the favorite day, my favorite day of the week. I'm through wrestling with builders, I'm through with all the other stuff, and I'm here gathered with the people of God. We're going to praise God. God is going to meet us. God is going to move. We're going to join with what He's doing, and the kingdom of God is going to be advanced. And eh, we never know who is going to walk through that door. Just praise God. Amen. Our future is not determined by the past. God has designed the church to be so much more than often what we settle for. And in the book of Acts chapter 2, particularly, there's a passage of Scripture, a, day, a descriptor of the early church of how to build God's way. Two things. God's intention for the church in the world. That's number one. And the second God's intentions for the church in us. Let's go to Acts 2, and we're going to read verse number 4, and then 17 and 21. <clears throat> this is when they're on the day, they're at the day of Pentecost. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. This is the day that we say the church was born. And then... Verse 17, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And it also says, let's go to the next verse, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. How many old guys can say amen to that? We can dream dreams, yes. And then we'll go to, I believe it's verse 21. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The exciting thing for me, and God has blessed us in so many seasons of our life, and I, I, come, uh, I come and we've celebrated 45 years of marriage and 40-some years of ministry, and, and it, it, it sure doesn't feel it to me, but yet, how many of you know you cannot deny the calendar and you can't deny the calendar, but the encouraging thing to me is whether you're young, and how many are young here? Let, just let me see your hand. How many are young? 
All right, okay. How many young at heart? Let me see that. This is God's will for you. He wants to pour out your spirit upon you and so that you will prophesy in the name of Jesus. That you will see, have great visions and the people that know their God will do exploits for God. But even for the old fogies among us, and I'm not there yet, okay? But even for the old fogies, the promise is when we no longer can fulfill that, those things and prophesy or do, that he said, even your old man, I'll pour out my spirit and you'll dream dreams. And I'll tell you, as long as you have a dream, you can live. But when you stop, dreaming you stop living and the promise in God is that we have dreams and we can go into the future with the Lord and so God's intentions for the church it, we are his bride we are called to be his living witnesses of a loving God God has no plan B we're at plan A we are the voice for God in this present day in your notes you can fill these in the first thing in that church in the world is that Christianity is Christ. Christianity is Christ. And Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is the Savior. And Jesus is the baptizer. He came to give his life as a ransom for you and for me to pay back the price, the debt that we owed to God for our departing from him. And it put us in in another universe that could, we could never approach God in His holiness. Yet Jesus Christ came and He paid the debt and we come to the Lord and we say, and the Bible says, whoever believes on the Lord and as we ask Him to forgive us, God, is, He doesn't want anyone to perish and He opens the doors to come into His family. He's the Savior. He's the Lord. He's the baptizer. He is the head and we are the body. The church and the world, the second thing is that God then describes that the church joyfully responds in worship, obedience, and being continually filled with the Spirit. I love worship on Sunday morning. How about that? Yes, I, I, I just love it. I love when Pastor Daniel is here and he leads out in worship and the team has practiced and they've set the table for us. And I often remark... Um, just, uh, I, I believe it's the work of the Spirit. How many times the, the worship songs are, are in parallel with what God is doing, what the message is that morning. How about Unstoppable God and the Overcoming Church? I didn't tell Daniel what songs to pick out. He didn't know what we were going to preach on. And I, that's the work of God's Spirit. But joyfully responding in worship, obedience, and being continually filled with the Spirit and then empowered believers joining God's intention and his movement in the world. Church, God is at work. He is not muzzled. He is not throttled. His will and purposes will be accomplished. This past Wednesday night, Gary Smith, who's one of the elders at Grace, he, is, he, is, uh, he had the... He was, uh, had the lead, if you would, for Regenerate this past week. And for last week, this week, and the next several weeks, Regenerate on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Be there, be square. We fellowship, we worship, and we hear what God's heart is for the church and, and how that we can 
join his movement and be his hands extended, and then they respond in prayer before the Lord. But he encouraged us that God is at work and that he is drawing people to him. And every person on this earth has been made in the image of God, and God is in the process of drawing everyone to him because he's not willing that any should perish. No matter how far they are from God, no matter what the situation, and you might be here this morning and you say it's, it's hopeless and, 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 and it just won't make a difference. God wants you to know that, that he wants to give you life and no one is beyond the power and the hope and the love of God. Praise his name. Praise God. But Gary said this, he said, God is at work and he said he's drawing them. He's drawing people, and he, he gave the testimonies of three of his family members, and I'll, perhaps one of these days I'll let him tell it, but they were far from God. And Gary's testimony, how he found the Lord, and it just it was marvelous, and, and, and it's, I want him to tell that. But he said, then, to know that evangelism is not spiritual cold calling. How many have done cold calling? How many know what that is? That's picking up the phone and just start calling people, trying to sell them. How many like that? No one. Yeah, me either. Terrible. It's those calls you get. You know, they're incessant on your cell phone. I, I want to call it the smell phone when they call. I'm getting them now. This is an apology from your utility company because we have overcharged you as though they're ever going to send an apology, right? And, uh, and most of the time, I just hang up. How many hang up? Every once in a while, when I'm really worn down, I just give in to the temptation. I start talking back with them. Anyone else ever do that? Anyone else ever? <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It just, it, I like to hear them hang up on me once in a while instead of bugging me. That's all. But evangelism is not spiritual cold calling. God's at work. And then we were encouraged to get in the merge lane of the movement of God. Picture I-95 and the on-ramps. God is moving. Get in the merge lane, loving people and being available because God has a work for his church in this world that no one else can do. The hope, we have Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. The second thing I want to share with you, though, is God's intentions for the church in us. Devoted. Acts 2, 42 through 47. On the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Spirit. Peter stood and preached, and 3,000 were baptized. And then they began follow-up care. And... Luke, the physician, wrote the book of Acts, and he described in detail the church, the multiplying church. And he said this, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. 
day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The early church was devoted, and Luke lists them. The word means devoted. The devoted means persisting obstinately, obstinately. My mom has a phrase, she calls it like a dog to a root. Has anyone ever heard that phrase before? Only if you're from Maine, I think. Like a dog to a root. How many have played with a dog and you have an old piece of clothing or a rope or a bone and they clamp onto it and they won't let it go? How many know what I'm talking about? And they growl and they try to back up. No matter what you do, you can swing them around. They will not let go. That's the picture. The early church devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's the word of God. Too many people have the idea that they can go to church on a Sunday morning and check it off their to-do list, then go away and expect God to bless them in whatever they do for the rest of the week. In other words, it's just enough to keep God from getting mad at us and just enough to get inoculated. That's called transactional religion. In other words, if I do something for God, God will do something for me. And I'll do just enough to keep him at bay. Just enough so that he'll bless whatever I'm doing. But friends, God isn't interested in transactions. The one who owns everything, not only the cattle on a thousand hills, but he's owned everything. He's created everything. In Jesus Christ, all things hold together. And he created the world by the power of his words. He's not interested in making deals. How many understand that? He is interested in relationship with him. We can't come to church, and I'm going to speak honestly to you as your pastor. I've always, always felt it's important to speak the truth of God's word. But we cannot have a mediocrity in our relationship with God and expect any good to come from that. It's called garbage in, garbage out. What we put in is what we get out. What we sow is what we will reap. We, we don't call the shots. We don't say what deal we're going to make with God. We don't, this is not a flea market. This is, not the, this is not the flea market at a Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, when we have hundreds and sometimes thousands of people filling the parking lot. And you know what the deal is? They want $20 for that bike. You say, well, I'll give you $15. And you try to get them down. We're not, we're not the ones. <laughs> we have no position. We don't make deals with God. He owns it all. He calls the shots. We're in the dentist chair on this one. How many understand that? 
But thank God it's the dentist who loves us, who gave his life for us, who has a plan for us, who has a plan for his church to be the overcoming church, the light of this world, plan A, not plan B. That's mediocrity. God calls us to step up so we can go up to the next level that God has for us. Praise his name. Praise God. Amen. Fellowship, devoted, sharing our unique relationship in God with fellow believers. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's not getting in the car and try to beat the Baptist to the buffet. It's not having a great time in worship than getting mad at people and cutting each other off in the parking lot. It's got to go beyond the front doors of the church. Sharing that unique relationship in God that we have with fellow believers. Last night we picked up our youngest daughter, Cammie, and, and her two daughters, and one is Aria. She's four. She's down in the preschool. And uh, we drove up to Philadelphia Airport, and, uh, you know, you're always wondering, boy, I hope we make the connection. And uh, well, we pulled right in, and there they, they were waiting for us. And here comes Aria, and she's got her own little backpack on, you know, on wheels. It's pink. She's four, not quite four, and the wheels light up, you know, and, and she's dragging that thing. And this is what she, she saw me, and she said, is Mama here? <laughs> Go figure. And I said, she's over there. And the next thing you know, she ran as fast as she could and jumped up into her arms and just hugged and hugged and hugged and hugged her. Because that's something in our family that's there. And then someone said, well, aren't you going to hug Papa? And she said, oh, yeah. And she ran over and jumped up into my arms. We share something in common. And as the body of Jesus Christ, we have a unique relationship with Him. And that fellowship is so precious. And all the fellowshipping that needs to be done to sustain us can't happen here on Sunday morning. I got a call from Nate Morin, 10.30, I believe it was Thursday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, I don't know, the phone rang. And I said to my wife, I said, oh, it's Nate. It's Nate. I said, oh. I said, this, I just had a feeling this can't be good news. It was Thursday night. And he had a hard time even getting started in this conversation. As his wife, Nikki, is in Franklin Square, has been there for weeks. And the decisions that they, that they have to make right now, there's no good decisions. There's no good decisions. And I said, Nate, I just want you to know we've got your back. And so I thank you for so many that brought meals. And you've watched the kids and encouraged them. And, and I'm just, I'm looking at Chris and she's, I said, oh my goodness. Here's this dad 
that loves his wife and these four kids. And he's trying to get the words out to me. Then he said, Pastor Paul, could you do something? And I said, yeah, Nate, whatever. He said, could you bring the church to Nikki on Sunday morning? I said, yeah, what do you have in mind? He said, if you could get someone that could sing songs to Jesus with her in that room, if you get, get a couple people that could, they know how to pray and to touch heaven, if you could get someone with compassion that to be there. And so I, I called up yesterday morning was, was just a really, I mean, the day was, it was just one of those days. And it was, it was just a day, a wonderful day, but it was a day. And I called up Gary Smith. And I had a couple people in mind, but I decided not to say who to go. I said, Gary, this is Pastor Paul. I said, Nate Morin called me, and I need you. And before I could say anything else, he said, whatever it is, Pastor, I'll do it. Those are armor bearers. Those are people that have stepped up so that we can go up to the next level. I didn't ask him, Nate, I hope you're... I hope I'm not imposing on you. I hope that I haven't called you at the wrong time. I texted him at 7.30 in the morning. I said, Gary, i got to talk with you. When's a good time? He said, call me right now. And I want you to know that grace is filled with those kind of people that will step up, that don't have to be coddled. We don't have to worry if they're going to quit and run and go out the door because they're, quite frankly, their tail got caught in a crack or something. You know what I'm saying? I'm just talking to you straight. But there's a mommy that needs someone and the thing that she needed most was the fellowship of believers. And so right now, I can tell you since 10.30, I can tell you what's happened. Josh Smith is there with his guitar and he's singing songs to Jesus and they're worshiping together. And Nikki is raising her hands to the Lord. Gary is there ministering words of comfort. Nora is there loving on her. And Darren Stauffer is there interceding that God is the great physician and it will touch her body and lift her up to the glory of God. Praise God. That's the church in action. Can someone say praise God? Amen. That's what it's all about. House to house. Devoted. Breaking of bread. That's communion. There's two things. It means two things. Communing, that's remembering together the cross of Jesus Christ. Because, because of the cross, God has leveled the playing field for all of us. We find mercy and grace to help because of Jesus' death on the cross for our sins and the resurrection in power. And we've received the spirit of the resurrection. In fact, God's word says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and he quickens your mortal body. But it also means the word of God says that they went from house to house sharing bread. I'm just going to throw a challenge out there this morning. And I understand that not everyone can open their homes. But in this county of prosperity and blessing... Your home should not be your final destination. It should be the beginning of how God can use your home to bless people. How many can say amen? I'm laying it down this morning. We work, we get an education, we want the best houses, we want them decorated. 
and that's all fine and good, and we have a comfortable home, but we do all that for the glory of God, and if we keep it just for ourselves, is there an amen in the crowd this morning? Yes, yes. And not everyone has the gift of hospitality. I don't even know if Chris and I have the gift of hospitality. We first got married, and we invited a couple over, and we were scared to death. I, what if they don't like the food we cook? It was pork chops, I think, wasn't it? Remember Peggy and Daniel? Peggy and Danny Daniels? We had them over to our house, yeah. Listen, you can burn the steak, you can burn the hot dogs, people don't care. Yesterday, yesterday um, afternoon, the... the uh, Wedding vows, something happened. They, and uh, so uh, Kayla and, uh, and Daniel, they'd asked them to help coordinate this. And Kayla was the coordinator. She came to me. She said, Pastor Paul is going to be about five minutes late. I said, oh, don't worry. People go to weddings. They expect them to be late anyway. You know, there's always something. I, I said that. Just open up your lives. And what God has given to you, the blessings, the material blessings that God has given you are not the final destination. They're the beginning that God has blessed you for a reason to help other people. Man. All right, I'm going to move on. Generous hearts. Thank you, Grace, because you were so generous. Studies have come out that show that in the evangelical world, only 2 to 3% of people now attenders tithe. The tithe is not giving to the church. We don't make a deal with God and say what the tithe is. The tithe is 10% of what he's blessed us with. How many understand that? That's not the law. That is what God requires. Okay. We have offered Financial Peace University here before with uh, Dave Ramsey, and what a blessing that is. You know his net worth is $55 million, and do you know how he's made most of his money? Teaching people who have chosen, Christians who have chosen to spend everything rather than tithe, and they're in trouble financially. You can say ouch or amen or something. All right. We don't make deals with God. We can get huffy. We can get puffy. We can do what we want. I heard someone that I know has been a long, long time, and they were bragging. They don't want to go to that church because they disciple people in the ways of the Lord, and we want to go to church where we don't have to give anything. How in the world, in the face of Jesus Christ, can we say that? In fact, he said, they've got a little box in the back, so me and my wife, we each give a dollar every week, and we call it good. We walk on out. I said, you, you, can't, you can't build a church like that. We can't build our lives in Jesus Christ. He calls us, he calls us to love him with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and all of our strength. And I want to thank you. You're so generous. I will just... Do you know that 50% and 50 of people that attend an evangelical church don't give anything? 
and the ones that do only, it's, it's, uh, wow. I, 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 I want to say this, at Grace we are blessed, our per capita, our per capita giving last year was like $3,300 a person for every man, woman, boy, or girl. Can someone say thank God? Yes. But we're sending the gospel around the world. Uh, we're helping local churches. We're giving it away. Because of you, we can pay our staff pastors so they're not on food stamps. Yes. They, we have long-termers here. Bobby and Amber have been here over seven years. Daniel, I think, pretty close to five years. Josh, he's going to be with us a long time, the Lord willing. Julie's been with us forever and a day, and they're all good, and we all have fun, we all enjoy it. Amen. Yes. That's generous hearts. We even pay our interns in the summertime. I, say, I heard someone say, all, all they are is just slaves for the summer. I said, yeah, that's what you, th I didn't tell them that, but I'm, I don't have to say everything I think because I'd become very unpopular if I did. But I thought if they're in the service to the church and God's called them to the ministry, I don't care if they are in Bible college preparing for the ministry, the workmen's worthy of their hire, and I'm not talking minimum wage either. Is there an amen in the crowd? And this is what God's Word says to the liberal soul. God makes them fat. And I'm fat this morning. I'm, God's blessed me. And grace is fat. Faithful, available, teachable. I'm going to move on. Amen. And the last thing is they're devoted to prayer. And I've called us this season to, to step up in our prayer. The first thing, you can read this in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus went up into heaven. The Savior, the Messiah, what are they going to do now? They went, went up into heaven. What do you think they did? Remember when he was crucified and he was buried? What did they do? They hid, and then Peter said, finally, after all, I'm going to go fishing. He didn't know what else to do. But something happened. You read in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus went up into heaven, and the angel came, this same one that went up, he's coming again. Praise God for his church. Read verse 14, and they went to the upper room and they devoted themselves to prayer. In other words, God, what's next? And then you can read in Acts chapter 4 as the church was, the blessing of God was there, but then it started to grow too much and the leaders took, the, 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 um, the, the political leaders took Peter, took him into prison, and they beat them. They beat them. They wanted to kill them, but they're afraid because there are so many followers of Christ. And so what they did, they went easy on them. They beat them and told them not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And Peter says like this, whether you think it's right to speak of the living God, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And they went back to a prayer meeting and the leadership in the town, they they came against the church even more. You can read this. And they said, God, you control. You're sovereign. You've brought the nations together in this place so that your name would be made strong. And Lord, we ask that in the face of this persecution, we pray 
We pray that you will protect us and find us a safe hiding place and no harm will come against us and you'll protect everything. No, 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 no. They said, Lord, you pray. We pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit and you would give us boldness to proclaim even more for your name and for your power and your glory. And God's Word says, and when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Praise God. Amen. And the church continued to grow. Today, the church is overcoming. It is prevailing. 174 nations around the globe in Grace Assembly of God, I'm committed. I'm asking you, I believe you're committed to move this thing forward. Praise God. Amen. Is someone with me? Praise God. Go into the future that the Lord has for us because His will is that the church is an overcoming church. Praise His name. Amen. Mm. Amen. I've laid it down. This is where I'll take my stand. Like it, lump it, leave it. It makes no difference. If I'm on the bus, I want to be on the bus that's moving forward. God's called me to love you and pastor you, but God has not called me to coddle his church. Is there an amen in the house? Amen. Praise God. Amen. And no matter who you are, I want you to stand this morning. I love you. I pray for you. I probably know more about you than you want me to know. I don't know. I'm in the loop where I hear a lot of things and all it does is make me pray. Pray. I believe in you. I want you and I love you. I love you. I've seen God do so much in people's lives. We're going to keep doing that to the glory of God. Praise His name. The overcoming church. One day is coming back for us. Mm. But I am determined to have a story to tell. I am determined that excuses don't cut it. I am determined that God's not in the business of making deals. I'm determined, Lord, here I am. You use me. You take me. God, you refine me. You spend me. Lord, for your glory, one day we can stand before you. We'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. No reserve, no regrets, no retreat. Keep going forward. Praise this name. God's good, isn't he? I'm going to ask you to bow your head. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you. We bless your name. We thank you, Lord, that when you died on that cross for us, you were worth it. Lord, you are worth it for us to serve you. We love our kids too much to have a transactional religion. We love our wives and husbands too much to put up with being mediocre in our relationship. Lord, to relationally throw our weight around. God, you've called us to be servant leaders. You've called your church to be the bride. 
You see us without spot or wrinkle. We love you for it, God. In Jesus' name. Lord, we feel the, your power, your strength. You, we claim that you said in the last days, I'll pour up my spirit upon all flesh. Lord, we're just saying, Lord, do it again. We're, we're in line, Lord. Until that time, Lord, you use us. In Jesus' strong name I pray. Amen. Amen. We bless you.